Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check, 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 one, two. It's time. It's podcast time. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? This is Mega Rand, and I'm back with another high-impact episode of Matt Mania for you and yours. Thanks for listening. This is my show where I talk about, you know, a little bit of wrestling, a little bit of my life, a little bit of video games, a little bit of everything. And uh, here we are. It is the post-Memorial Day episode. Uh, just got finished watching Raw, but more importantly though, I just want to catch y'all up on what's been happening with me personally. I'm on the road. I'm actually in a hotel room, well, a hotel meeting room in Medford, Oregon. Big shout out to this Super 8. By the time this comes, uh, gets broadcast, I'll be long gone, so I can tell you. I actually like this Super 8 because they have a slide in the pool area. Like, this is amazing. I had fun jumping down and sliding down this spiral slide and uh, it was actually really cool like I thought they were going to trip like oh you know no adults it's just for kids but they were actually really all about it and so I did a couple slides had some fun that made me think of um, classic Mega Man 8 where they had the jump jump slide slide but anyway I digress Uh, we are halfway through this tour uh, playing in Medford tonight playing in Portland tomorrow but man, I gotta say, the tour's been starting off really, really well. Uh, we hit a bit of a speed bump in um, a little town you may know of called Oakland, California. Now, people tell us a lot of things about Oakland. I actually really love Oakland, so I don't wanna you know, make this sound like a, a bash moment or anything like that. Uh, but we got jacked in Oakland, um, right in the middle of a really cool show. Uh, we were out downtown at a spot called the AU Lounge. Uh, big shout out to Sue Yen who set it up, uh, bottled water and a lot of the other acts that played. So while Rocky's on, I go outside to go grab my wireless mic back to our rental Jeep. And, um, and I notice specks of glass on the ground next to it. And then every touring musician's worst fear comes to pass. And um, we were jacked. Someone, I mean, these dudes had to be some quick ninjas. Like, I don't know if there's an Oakland sect of ninjas that are out, like, just robbing cats. But they caught us slipping and right across from the venue before anybody says, Oh, you can't be, you know, in Oakland, blah, blah, blah. You know, anything can happen anywhere. And I honestly thought that I made preparations to be ready for this type of of, uh, event, unfortunately. But I was not. It was literally right across from the venue. People were outside. If anybody had peeked over there at any given time, they might have seen it happen. But these dudes were quick, man. I don't know if they maybe had one guy go by, smash the window real quick, and then another guy come by, grab some things. I don't know. This is a very elaborate plot. And uh, so be careful everywhere, particularly, you know, touring musicians out there. Uh, but the tour has been great, man. I want to just really quick tell y'all where we're going to be for the rest of the trip and uh, get into the show. I got a special guest with me, one that I've known for a very long time. And um, so that's going to be fun to get on and reminisce and talk talk current and past wrestling and wrestling video games because some news came down that uh, WWE 2K17 has announced that Goldberg is the, uh, the first hidden or secret character that will be playable in the new the new joint. Speaking of 2K, big shout out to them 
for actually giving me a pile of games, like a whole duffel bag, which was not stolen. So uh, big shout out to K for that. This was one of the few things that was not taken was unopened 2K16 video games. Those would have been the easiest thing to resell. Instead, they got my clothes, they got Chuck's clothes, and they got Rocky's clothes. And uh, maybe a laptop, and my PS4, and some stage gear. So, I'm shaking my fist at you right now, beef in Oakland. But, um, you know, this is this will make us stronger. Anyway, like I said, Medford tonight, Portland, June 2nd, Ground Control, Bellingham, Washington, June 3rd at Glow, June 4th, the Astro Lounge in Bend, Oregon. We do a little bit of up and down action. Then we go back up to Seattle, Nectar Lounge, one of my favorite towns and favorite venues. Uh, the Hop Shop in Yakima, Washington. Apparently they call it the Yak. So uh, I learned something new there. First time I'm going to be out there. First time also in the next spot, which is Moscow, Idaho. I didn't even know that existed, but now I know. John's Alley Tavern on June 7th. June 8th, the Olympic in Boise. And I learned from being there that it's not pronounced Boise. It's Boise. Anyway, June 10th, 11th Street Records in Vegas, baby. And then the very next day, that afternoon, back home in Phoenix playing with my buddies Cuckoo Kangaroo doing an early show on Saturday. So bring all the kids out and come through. I first want to thank everybody. I made a small announcement about us getting jacked. I was like, you know, I didn't want it to become the full focal point of the, of the tour or I didn't want to, you know, bash Oakland and I didn't want to be, you know, I hate to be that woe is me guy on the internet because honestly these shows have been going better than I ever could have thought. People are coming out, they're buying merch, they're supporting. It's not that big of a blow right now. Like honestly, it's a big blow. Don't get me wrong. We, we walked around with the same pants on for two, three days straight. But it's not huge, man. When I see, you know, I think about people saying that, yo, do a GoFundMe and go, you know, do this. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't I don't want to. So if you do want to support, you're welcome to go on to my Bandcamp, random.bandcamp.com. Buy any music you'd like. I don't believe in something for nothing, man. I don't want you to just throw me money. So at least get some music in return. So if you go there... Buy a song or an album for five bucks. You're welcome to pay more if you want to. I appreciate all the support we've gotten thus far on that. But honestly, man, we're over it. Like I don't, I don't want to dwell on it too long. It's tunnel vision, man. You know, in order to make these shows work, you gotta have tunnel vision. Speaking of tunnel vision, I'm sure that's something that the powers that be that are booking these WWE events have because I'm seeing some. Uh, we, we've had a we've talked about it before a little bit of the lack of continuity and what's been going on in a lot of these storylines, but it is a new era. So anyway, right when I come back from my short break and intro, we're going to talk wrestling. We're going to talk wrestling games and whatever else is on our mind. My special guest Chuck. We'll see you in a minute. It's Matt Mania. Ring the bell. Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's Megan Rand. It's Matt Mania. This is our special. Memorial Day episode. Hope you out barbecuing and having a good time. I am in the middle of Medford, Oregon, about to do a rap show. But I got a special guest with me who has been joining me on this entire tour. One of my oldest friends from the block, my homie John Charles, aka Chuck. What up, Chuck? Hey, what's going on, everybody? What's up, bro? Yo, chilling, man. Uh, so, real quick, I always like to get my guests to introduce themselves, tell us a bit about what you do. Um, then we'll go into your history with wrestling, maybe, you know, past, present, future, whatever. So, who is Chuck? Well, you know, Chuck lives in Philadelphia, where Random is from. You know, I've known him for 34 years. Wow, 34 mm -hmm. years. <laughs> Showing our age a little bit there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, 39 years young. You know, I don't age in that respect. But uh, I'll say that the most exposure I've had is doing Darth Vader impersonations on YouTube, and uh, I was featured in The Bat in the Sun, which is a phenomenal independent web series. Yes. They have something called Superpower Beatdown, and I was featured as the voice of Darth Vader in Vader versus Gandalf, hmm. which was the second episode of the series, and one of the more popular ones was Vader versus Batman, and I was very fortunate to voice Vader for that. And you can uh, like their Facebook page, it's just Bat in the Sun, and just show them your love. Yeah, that joint is like over like 10 million hits, right? Something like that, the, yes. Uh, 
Yeah, the Batman and Vader joint. So, how did you get into that? Like, as growing up, you were always good with voices. Like, we knew Star Wars back and forward. We, we knew these voices we could impersonate. So, how did you trans, transition that into somehow getting a call from these guys? Well, actually, it goes back to my college days because I didn't even know I could even do the James Earl Jones voice or whatever. I was on a retreat. I went to a school in Oklahoma, and we were on a retreat, and we were looking up at the stars. It was night. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I just started doing the Mufasa speech. You know, <laughs> look at the stars. The great kings of the past looked down at us. They were like, dude, you sound just like Mufasa. <laughs> and this is like the late 90s. You know what I mean? I, wow. like, I've never even told anybody this story until now. Oh, wow. So then I was like, I was like okay. So like, I would just tinker you know, with the voice of Vader. I would tinker with you know, Joffy Jofer from Coming to America. Mm-hmm. You know, let them wait. You know. <laughs> and so uh, I just decided one day I was just going to do a Darth Vader impersonation and put it on YouTube. Wow, that's crazy. So then they, they found it, obviously. They gave you a call. It was like, yo, you got the best Vader. And we actually sat, we had a moment to sit down with the Bat and the Sun guys um, in, in L.A. And, uh, and they told the story the same way. And they were like, yo, there's maybe hundreds of people that do Vader impersonations on YouTube. But somehow they found yours and they liked yours the best. And they decided to hit you up. So right, that so is dope. It's Aaron and Sean Shunka. They're in charge of Bat and the Sun. It's a yeah. father-son duo. Big shout-outs to them because they make amazing things. And it's cool to see... You know, them being so down to earth. They're just regular cats who have a passion and love to do cool things, you know. And uh, we run into a lot of that on this tour. And uh, this has actually been, I think, your first time on the West Coast. Yes, sir. As well as you're, I don't know, you're playing like a, I don't want to say roadie, but I guess (laughs) your position is kind of like, you know, just helping out, you know. I'm I'm his personal event security staff because I don't have a yellow jacket. So you're like the utility man, basically. Like yes. whatever we kind of need help with, was driving or assisting with merch or answering questions, whatever. You've been doing that. So how do you like it? You can be honest. Pretend like I'm not here. Oh, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, because like I said, I'm taking in the sights. You know, of California. You know, uh, we were in San Diego the first night, then Los Angeles, which I wasn't really too big on. You know, initially, but then you know, it kind of grew on me. You know, then we went up to the Bay Area after we left Los Angeles, and now we're up here in Medford, Oregon. <laughs> I never thought I would be in Oregon, except for like Portland, you know, or something, which is where we're going, you know, soon. So I'm absolutely in love with the West Coast. Nice. I love it here. And that's the thing, man. It's a whole different mentality, man. Like, I know it opened my eyes when I first got here. I was like, man, this is a freaking different world, being from the East Coast and born and raised, and seeing how things work there and how they, they're a little more laid back out West, I think. And um, I don't know, man. I think, I think I'm just fortunate to know people that are doing really cool things. And so it's always a good conversation, you know, sitting and talking with someone, figuring out what they're up to, what they're doing. It's always a, an inspiring situation, I think. And it's good to have a friend that you can leech off of, you know, that has, you know, no cool people. <laughs> <laughs> well, what can I say? I we know. toured Twitch. We toured. Facebook. Like, I've never imagined that I would be on the campus. We went to the Facebook campus. That was insane. And that was just me sending a message to one of my dudes who used to work there. And he was like, yo, I'm going to hook you up with the guy who currently works there, and we're going to make it happen. And that and Twitch and just being able to see all these cool people, it's been inspiring for me. And I tour a lot. So it's, it's like, it's something to see. But anyway, this podcast isn't always just about what we're learning and about our trips and amazing lives that we're experiencing right now it's about wrestling we're in the wrestling podcasting business so uh real quick just want to get your uh just just give me your beginnings and I, I i know it but the people wouldn't but um your beginnings with wrestling like how how long have you been in it like have you been in and out most of us and most people i talk to from our generation have been kind of in and out like they're in in the 80s Back in in the 90s, maybe back in in the 2000s a little bit. What kind of back and forth, love-hate thing, it keeps pulling you back, that kind of thing. So how did it start for you? Like, what's the moment, if you can remember it? Like me, it was going to watch WrestleMania three at the Spectrum on a closed-circuit TV and seeing Macho Man win that title and buying a foam Macho Man finger and coming home with that. And my mom saying, this is so fake. I can't believe you just spent money to watch this. They're just laughing at y'all, you know. And I was hooked from then on. So do you have a moment where wrestling just captured you, like something happened on TV, something happened somewhere where you were like, wow, you know. 
I don't know if there's a particular moment, but it's almost like I was just born into the business. Like, I know it sounds kind of corny, but like, <laughs> I just never remember not having anything to do with wrestling. Like, my brother would buy all the magazines, you know, when there was three separate ones, you know, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Inside Wrestling, and The Wrestler. Now it's just Pro Wrestling Illustrated mm -hmm. and anything that's not WWE sponsored. But anyway, well, you know, I digress. And so, I mean, I remember watching it on television. I remember we would visit my uh, grandfather in Maryland, and he would have, like, AWA on TV. So it was just like, I was just, like, born into, like, the wrestling business, basically. That's pretty dope. I remember on the block, I don't know if you remember this day, but when we found out, and it probably was your brother who kind of put us on, that we could get UWF on TV. Oh, yeah. And it yes. was, like, like channel 48 or 60-something. Like, it was oh, way yes. at the end of the TV thing. And it would kind of come in fuzzy, but man, when I was when I figured out that we could get UWF, I flipped out. And I mean, it was so good with Jr. on commentary, oh, yeah. Doctor Death. Yes. You had um, one man gang, one man gang, Ted DiBiase as a as a face. It was the Freebirds, like such good stuff. And I think that, you know, that combined with NWA being amazing, and WWF of course being bigger than life and colorful. All of that stuff just wrapped us into it, and we were we were heavy in the game when it came to wrestling. Like we made cardboard belts, oh yeah, and we wrestled for them, and we got down, you know. So, <laughs> wrestling was always a part of my life. So, me, I I went off to college, and that was kind of when I got back into it. It was maybe ninety five, ninety six, right around the time of the invasion angle and stuff, and um, that's what I think pulled me back in. And then I kind of fell off again early two thousands. And then I got back in maybe about three years ago, and I've kind of been in heavy. And uh, so where do you stand, I guess, 2000 and on? Like, where have you been with wrestling and your relationship with it as far as your connections? Well, it's like you said, I'm an in-and-out hopper. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. it's great. Sometimes, you know, they do stuff I don't like, and, I, you know, I fall away from it. And it's basically because I love it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you don't want to see something you love get, you know, dragged through the mud so you know I, I just turn away from it because I don't have to witness what's going on it was me with the Tribe Called Quest when they were when they were falling off and I knew it was the end I didn't want to see it so I did not buy the last Tribe Called Quest album because I knew it was the end <laughs> mm -hmm. and to this day I've never listened to it all the way through because I just knew it would hurt me like just seeing them you know as a shell of themselves like going through the motions you know so yeah wrestling is probably the same way where you don't want to see it in a form that you don't recognize or you don't think is, is, is in its best light, you know. Right, because we were just talking about this. And the moment when uh, they had the, the twin referee debacle. Uh, <laughs> Earl and the, Dave have <laughs> Yes. Mm -hmm. When Andre the Giant won the title at the, that uh, Saturday Night's Main Event, I believe it was, in 1988, I said, you know what? This stinks. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't, as, I wasn't following as closely after that moment. Wow. Okay. So at least you can pinpoint a moment where you were like, "Ugh, I'm mad." It was like the, like, it's like the three count heard around the world. Like, <laughs> it's like a fast count. Yeah, and that's kind of with me too. I was, you know, I always say it. I've said it before on this show. Like I wasn't a fan of, of um, you know, guys like Edge. Let's just say because I remembered Edge in a tag team, uh, you know, dynamic and being great. And as a solo, I I went. I just kept waiting for him to get back with Christian and do something else. So. Therefore, so when Edge was dominating TV time, it made me not want to watch. I was like, ah, oh, this isn't the way I wanted it to be, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was just a small thing, but it was just me being a whiner and being like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't know. This isn't what I wanted, you know. So anyway, let's move to right now. Like, where are you right now with wrestling? Like, I, we were just watching Raw today, and you were asking me who a couple people were. So that kind of gave me an idea that current stuff is probably not, uh, you know where you're where you're at too much with it. No? Yeah, I don't follow it as closely now. Okay, so from what we did watch, because we watched the um, the Memorial Day episode where uh, highlights, I thought were you know John Cena coming back. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about this brand split that is proposed, and um, and then we're going to talk about the big announcement, the big reveal, the hatch as they called it, from uh, 2K Sports where. They announced that uh, Goldberg would be playable and in the next game. So I want to really quick, let's start from the top. Uh, Raw hits. John Cena's been out for a while. He made the comeback. John Cena was approached by AJ Styles in a friendly manner 
and then his homies from the club. I really hope they change that name, but <laughs> the club comes out and they're like, "Oh, you got soft." Uh, Carl Anderson and Boop Gallo. And next thing you know, AJ's like, "Psych!" And then they just triple team on John Cena. Now, that was the one part of the show. I mean, we watched a few segments, and I do remember that was the one part where I think you were like, "Yeah, yeah," like that was good. So, what did you think of that? Well, to be honest, um, I thought the highlight was the crowd involvement because that's one reason why I can't really watch the show anymore because the crowd doesn't really seem to be into what's going on. But at that moment where they're going, AJ Styles, you know, let's, let's go, go Cena. Like, yeah. I thought that was, like, the highlight because, like, the crowd is involved, you know, and all that stuff. You know, the pleasantries between AJ and, you know, Cena was kind of, you know, milk toast. You know, just, <laughs> you know, it wasn't anything really to write home about. But, yeah. The, the crowd involvement and them, you know, doing the Hogan Rock look around at the crowd, you know, because <laughs> both people are being cheered at the same time simultaneously. You know, I'm old enough, you know, to remember that. <laughs> that was cool. I, I really appreciated that, and I like the fact that, you know, they that AJ decided to flip it, you know, and just like, nah, we're going, we're taking this another way, you know. Um, I've complained before on shows that the audience kind of hijacks the show sometimes and kind of loses it for me. So when you say that you know you're not they're not getting crowd involvement because I know there were some other sequences we saw where crowd is just like oh <laughs> so <laughs> collective oh, oh. <laughs> yeah so I think um, sometimes though the crowd will hijack moments you know I think that they're, they're coming around the Roman Reigns but a big thing was happening around WrestleMania time where people would just boo Roman out of the building you know and sometimes I think it's to the point now they don't even know why they're booing they're just booing right because everybody does. So now it seems to be split unless they're piping in <laughs> cheers. I don't know. Right, the Gold, like the Goldberg cheers. It yeah. seems to be kind of split. And, and so um, what I was thinking is sometimes I wish the crowd would just let the action play out. You know, like let these guys, you know, attempt to earn your, your cheers or boos instead of dictating how you think it's going to go. You know right. what I mean? I mean, it's a, it's a totally different, you know, Creature. I mean, the fans are just so smart, you know, because of the internet about yeah. what's going on. Like, they can see, like, you know, they can tell that Roman's in line for that big, you know, Vince McMahon push, you know, win the Rumble, you know, win WrestleMania and carry the, you know, carry the, the standard yeah. for the company. And like we were talking about earlier, they were cheering Roman when it was only him and Batista left in the 2014 Royal Rumble. Because yep. they could already see that Batista was online to, you know, win the Rumble and probably win WrestleMania. But they oh, didn't yeah. like that. They vetoed it. Right. So they were just cheering the mess out of Roman. You know, because, because he wasn't Batista. Exactly. You know? And so that was two years in a row. It's interesting you say that. It was two years, <clears throat> two rumbles in a row where the crowd was not happy with the, the result and they let right. it be known. And the first year, they fixed it. You know, not necessarily fixed, but they adjusted due to the crowd and they got Daniel Bryan his moment. Exactly. Because that was what the audience wanted. This time, they were like, no. We're going with Roman. And then they, they still set up the swerve with Seth, and I thought that was cool. And um, I think it created a moment where we were supposed to feel sorry for Roman, but instead everybody was just like, yeah, anybody but you, Roman. You know, like, I don't know. So uh, can you, as if you were running um, a giant wrestling organization, can how much of crowd reaction goes into your booking decisions, you say, if it was you? That's that's kind of a funny question because, you know, you always want to put out a product that gets the crowd in. You know what I mean? Like, you want to sell tickets. You want to, you know, as the old old heads used to say, you want to put butts in seats. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking Vince already has them in the seats, so their reaction don't really doesn't really mean anything because he already has their ticket sales and they've already paid for merchandise. Yeah. So, if, like, from that point of view, it's a matter of saying, well, I've been successful at this for 40 years. I kind of know what's better for the fans than they know. Now, you ask me how I would do it. Mm-hmm. I would give the fans what they want to an extent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It okay. can't be Christmas every Monday on every uh, every day with the SmackDown comes on every pay-per-view. can't do that. Okay. Because if the fans got what they want, I mean, think about guys like uh, recently uh, Sandow was just released. Mm-hmm. Sandow, hugely over with the crowd. Like if he got Damian Sandow. Over. Yeah, got himself over. Now, if Damian Sandow came out, challenge for the world title he would get cheered the entire like i mean it would be ridiculous so so i guess you can't totally give them what they want but you said you say to an extent you would yeah to an extent like okay and and that's where that's where your experience as a showrunner has to come in you know you can't just give them everything at once
times because in that case Hogan would have never lost the belt Austin would have never lost the belt you know like you got to mix it up you know what I mean yeah, yeah, that's true. Undertaker would have never lost. I mean, right. things like that would have never even gone on because no one would have ever wanted it. You know, no, no that's not that's a that's a hot button topic you just say about Undertaker never losing because people still think he never should have lost. Like even Stone Cold said on this podcast, that I think never, that was a terrible decision. I have the Undertaker lose, and, you know, everybody's got to lose, man. Right? I, I mean, agree. I thought it was a good decision, but that's a very hot button topic with a lot of people. I wish there would have been like Bray Wyatt or somebody. Honestly, nah, I was hoping there would be a new guy who could then become the big time heel and not a, a part timer, you know. But it, but it, it was done the right way though, because after Brock defeated Undertaker, he went on a monster tear. Oh yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was destroying people. Yeah, that was yeah that was some of my favorite stuff watching Brock just run through people. Yeah, and it started with that victory at WrestleMania. So Vince kind of knew what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't what the crowd wanted, but it was. I think that was that was the right decision for business, as they like <laughs> to say, or whatever. We do what's best for business. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So moving on. Uh, speaking of best for business, I think that the next best for business move that WWE feels is it's time for a new brand split mm-hmm. now, or brand extension, or I don't know. What the word is, right? Or draft, you know, draft. Something might happen where they're looking at SmackDown is going to Tuesdays and it's going live on USA too. Uh, On the USA, so uh, a couple big changes, and so now I guess the the plan is to set SmackDown on a you know on a foot where it would be as important as Raw, you know, or or somewhat. So with that will come superstars that will only appear on one show and not the other, which also might mean a new title being added and also might mean teams could be split up. All types of things could be happening. So I was kind of briefly in, and I think I might have been out around the time of the last brand split idea. So if you could break this down to me, and do you think this is a good idea? All right, well, we'll start with the very first brand extension they ever did. That was in 2002. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure if it's because Vince knew that he was that he was losing The Rock for a while, you know, in 2002, or I don't know what his, what the thinking was, okay? But then after that, you know, Stone Cold walks out of the company, mm-hmm. and so then they have a draft where, you know, the general manager of Raw, the general manager of SmackDown, who was Ric Flair and Vince McMahon at the time, you know, because they were co-owners because of the right. storyline. And they basically just handpicked, you know, in sequence. Okay. All and right. they did that two years later, too, in 2004. They didn't have one in 2003. But they did it again in 2004. Mm. And then they did it the very next year in 2005. And people kind of felt like maybe Vince was just at a loss for ideas. Or, uh, and so I think just, a yearly draft isn't a bad idea because the other person is. isn't. You I think it's a bad idea? idea. Yeah. Like, it's too frequent. It's yeah. happening too much. Okay, I mean, maybe they were trying to get the the spirit of real sports where there's a draft every year in football, you know, but everybody's not changing teams every year, you know what I mean? Right, and they're they're drafting veterans, you know, people that are already in. Yeah, yeah. Now, now what I see from from this proposed brand extension is they're going to put Cena on one show and Roman Reigns on another show. So Roman Mm -hmm. Reigns will probably headline Raw, maybe. I think probably Raw, since he's the champ. And I think Cena will be the the go-to babyface of SmackDown. Okay. That's that makes I'm, sense. That's what I'm seeing. I can see that. Also, um, and you haven't been watching a whole lot, but since right. AJ Styles has debuted, 90% of his matches have been on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. So they've been kind of putting it where, like, oh, you want to see this guy? Watch SmackDown, you know. So I can see both AJ and uh, Cena going over to SmackDown. Right. I can see that happening. Um, I'm not a fan of it. Just on paper, I feel like it's not – cool because I just think about it as a fan who likes to attend shows. Mm-hmm. Now, if I find out WWE's coming to my town and it's raw and I'm like, oh man, I wanted to see AJ Styles and Cena, you know, and I'm there and I know that they're not going to be there. Right. So that's kind of weak to me as a fan who wants to see the show because it's not like they're going to put, and maybe they will, but I doubt it. Maybe since they are going to be back to back days and live, maybe they'll do Raw Smackdown in the same city or in a close city, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? To give people a chance to see both shows. Right. I don't know. Me, I just think as an attending fan, it's whack to know that you're not going to see John Cena, you know, or Roman. Right, or, but they have so much talent. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's just 
too much talent that's just sitting there and it's not really getting right. Shine right now, there. this is a time where I mean, you got guys floundering in mid cardville that <laughs> are really good, and you know, could put. I've been waiting for Dolph Ziggler to get you know get his moment for a long time. A lot of and people like, have, yeah. And it's like, but I remember now, and this brings me to my next point. He's like a former world champ, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he cashed his money in the bank and beat uh, Alberto Del Rio. See the SmackDown title or whatever it was. See back then, I, I would be like, man, I can't consider this as the real belt. Like it was the SmackDown belt. You now, know? now when Zol- Dolph's music hit, the crowd exploded. It's one of the bigger pops like, of, like recent years. I'm not, I'm not gonna wow. say ever. You know, ever just sounds so expansive. Oh, but, yeah. But it's one of the biggest pops in recent years. As soon as his music, no, I came. To, Change the world, or whatever. Like the crowd explodes. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have to watch that. Okay, because I mean, yeah, Alberto was like super hated at the time, and I'm sure, you know, it was a great moment. That's that's awesome. And then to think, like, okay, that's why I feel like my next point is, if they add another world title, it becomes watered down. Because now everybody's a 10-time champ. You know, we talked about this before, and not not necessarily saying any names, but, like, all these guys now are double-digit title holders. (laughs) Like, they were just trading the title between Raw and SmackDown. Like, yeah, here, you want a belt? You want a belt? Here, you want a belt? I bet you can get a belt. (laughs) Now everybody's a champ a million times over. You know what I mean? And it's like that could water down the prestige of the title, like adding a second title. I'm not a fan of the SmackDown title and the Raw title. What do you think of that? I, I totally agree. But at, at the same time, you know, it's not you know, it's not really about the belts. It's about drawing the audiences in. And, but I think know. the top guy should travel to each show. You know, that's now, kind I'm of the way to, I look at it. I'm trying to remember if they tried to do that before. Because remember, that was when the first year they did the draft. That's when there was the undisputed championship. That's mm-hmm. when, you know, they put them together. Right. Before the brand split, Jericho had beat you know Austin and Rock on the same night and became you know yeah I remember champ. that. So that undisputed champ could go to both brands, right? And now, then I like you that would, idea. Yeah. And then the winner of the Royal Rumble picked who they wanted to like. No, that was a different time. Yeah, where like the Royal Rumble winner would pick which title he wanted to go after on WrestleMania. Yeah, I think I think like, Batista I was the like first that. one. Yeah, he was the first one to choose between oh, okay. brands. I didn't really like that. I just yeah. felt like there should be one champ who goes to both shows. No, I, I like that idea. I do like that idea. I think that'd be cool. But then, you know, you have a chance of guys like Cena and Reigns crossing paths, and they probably don't want that to happen. Not right now, anyway. Now, you know, playing, you know, fantasy booger here. Okay. You don't want your top star as that champion that goes back and forth, okay? You want a guy that is a decent talent, okay, mm-hmm. that can kind of build his own brand up while he's the champ. Because this... This is if, if if what I think they're doing, you know, with Cena on one show and you know mm-hmm. Roman on another show, this makes Raw build itself up with just Roman and uh, Seth going at him Raw, mm-hmm. and build SmackDown up with just Cena and Styles. Mm-hmm. So there's just like these feuds going on. Then you have like a you know I don't want to say a mid Carter, but guy that's not as big as them going between both shows so that they can fight each other without the championship being involved. Uh, okay. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, it makes sense. Right. And I always feel like, you know, and even now, like, we talk about the crowd reactions that these guys get. And I talked about it before. Like, I think this new era is basically like, we're going to book it the way we think it should be. And you're going to boo if you don't like it. And you're going to cheer if you like it. You know, we're not going to force feed you a a face. We're going to, I don't know. I think I look at it like now it's just like, we're just booking it, you know. So they're giving you matches or people you want to see. And, you know, and you decide who's the face and who's the heel. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I think. And I think that the crowd reactions are, are going to somewhat dictate that. But, like, when you look at what's happening with Seth and Roman now, it's like they're like, Roman's the good guy. He is. He is. And then everyone's cheering for Seth. And, you right. know, <laughs> it's interesting. And I think that, you know, it'll, it'll, see, it'll be interesting to see how it, how it plays out. And like I said, it also elevates other talent, you know. Yeah. Because, like, even, I'm not a huge fan of, but, <laughs> you know, but he's, a, you know, a former champion, and I don't really think it's fair that that individual is, like, languishing in, like, obscurity. Oh. You well, know what I mean? You know, you got people now. I mean, that's funny. You mentioned uh, we were – right now the Intercontinental Champion is The Miz, and no, The Miz is – probably the best heel they got, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's the perfect heel. Like, you hate him for the right reasons. Right. Uh, Maurice is back, like, cheating for him and stuff. <laughs> so, 
it's really entertaining. And the fact that he's keeping the title away from the deserving guys, quote unquote, you know, so it, it creates that chase. And that's what exactly. I was going to say right. is that do we need a chase? Like, good guys, it's so hard. Like, I feel for Roman every day when I hear the booze because I'm like, dude, it's so hard to be a good guy today. Mm-hmm. And I think Jim Ross said it too. He's like, how are you, a, how can you be a good guy when there's no rules in today's society? Like, the bad guys are, are cool. Right, good it started with Stone Cold in 97. Yeah, like good guys are Baby lame. face, Bret Hart. No. So it's like now, you know, guys like him, I feel bad of, of him trying to, trying to work that. And I think that the title usually works best on a heel when there's a chase. You know what I mean? Yes. Now it's kind of reversed, you know, where the good guy's holding it. It's, it's, to me, it's never as interesting when the good guy finally has it and he just kicks butt, you know, and picks on all comers. It's not as fun. Yeah. The chase is what you know what we love, and I think that's what the Daniel Bryan story, what made that so great, is that he chased it forever, and they pushed him down and said, "No, you can't do it. You can't do it." And then he breaks through, and it explodes. You know. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I feel like I feel for Roman. I really do. But I think that I think the crowd's slowly coming around to him. But um, I think I'd like to see the belt on a heel, and just to create that chase that we're used to seeing. And see, that goes back to what we said about the crowd reactions. They're not always right in their reactions. Yeah. So that's why the business is to just get them there, and then yeah. we'll deal with the reactions, because they're not always right, like I said. Because like, it's like, if Seth wins the belt, it's like, will there really be a heel? Because they're know. already booing the baby face, and they're cheering <laughs> the heel. So it's like, who's the heel of that situation? It's really? so reversed. Like, even with AJ, I think, I don't know, I think with the AJ and Cena moment, you give him like a three-on-one mugging so that the crowd can be like, come on, man, he just came back. You know, like maybe a person in the crowd is going to be like, come on, man. But it's Cena, so it's like we can cheer him getting beat up. You know what I mean? Or just, maybe they're just cheering the action and the fact that we know a program's coming now. I don't know. I, th- I think they hurried the whole Gallows-Anderson beatdown. Like, I think if they would have had a good close match, you know, because John Cena can put on a very good wrestling match when he wants to. Oh, yeah. And, you know, AJ Styles can go with anybody on the planet. If they'd mm-hmm. had, like, a great, maybe, say, a pay-per-view match, and, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it came to, like, a, a whisper of a, of a victory. Maybe Cena ekes out a victory. Maybe Styles mm-hmm. ekes out a victory. And then there's, like, that mutual respect. But then, like, mm-hmm. as the stakes, stakes get higher, then you bring in Gallows and Anderson. Uh, then I think that'd be, like, a bigger blow. You know what I mean? I oh, agree. AJ is a cheater. You know what okay. I mean? Like, I agree. They, they did maybe rush it a little bit because I, I felt like, They've only they've given it a week. Last week it was like, are the are is AJ on the outs with these guys? And then this week they're back together. You know, so right. they could have teased that through another pay per view, and then come back. But that's kind of what they did with with AJ and Roman. It was like, is he in cahoots with these guys? Is he not? You know, so I, I don't know. But I think I'm glad to see AJ go kind of full heel, I guess. But again, he's so popular. Cena's so, you know, hateable. Everybody loves to hate him. So right. it's like, I don't know. We got another reverse situation. Like, it's, it's the, the double turn era or something. I don't know. Like, like you really, it seems like if you were in that position, you really have to be a thinking man's booker. Like, you can't just, like, force things. Like, you really got to, like, eat this out. Like, oh, yeah, you got to think. And, I mean, yeah. you got to remember these guys. We talked about it before. They, likely these dudes have really long-term plans for this mm-hmm. stuff. It's not – decided on a whim even though sometimes it seems like it i'm like you guys just came up with this right <laughs> like sometimes it's really really sudden and drastic and you're like you just came up with that right. you know but i do want to believe in the process it's like the 76ers gm <laughs> used to say trust the process even though they were losing every single game right so i i want to trust the process mm-hmm. uh well when we come back though we're going to talk about the 2k 17 announcement, and uh, we're going to give you a list of our favorite wrestling games of all times. Stay tuned. It's Mega Ran, Matt Mania, special guest Chuck's in the building. Be back in a sec. Hey, party people, it's Kate Murdoch here, and I want to talk to you about something real fresh, real new that myself and Mega Ran are doing now, and it involves you. The fans, myself and Mega Ranch just launched a Patreon, a monthly way for you all to subscribe to us and what we do for as little as one buck a month. You'll get free exclusive downloads, a guaranteed song a month, and if you pledge at the $10 level, you'll get a free project a month. Whether it be something we do together, whether it's something solo, a side project that I engineer or produce, it's guaranteed exclusive for you Patreon supporters. So. 
If you really like what we do, then this is the time to get down and join us. We are trying to bring back that Nintendo Fun Club vibe because this is essentially a fan club for the real fans. So check it out, patreon.com slash bits and rhymes. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash bits and rhymes. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. You're next! Ah! Yo, <laughs> it's Mega Red. We're Hobie Chuck, and we're talking wrestling. Okay, so we got down to the brand split. We got down to Cena's return, what that could possibly mean. Uh, last bit of news that I want to talk about. It's one of my favorite things, actually. I love video games. Wrestling video games are probably one of my favorite things ever. Since back in the day, we used to play Warzone oh, yeah. on the PS1. Problem was, the to do those moves, man, you had to, like, stand on your head and have an extra hand. <laughs> I remember the, the Stone Cold Stoner was, like, up, down, up, X and O, and square. That's uh, something crazy. But anyway, we used to have some great times. My favorite mode in that was the Tornado. But anyway, let's move on, shall we? Yes. So, 2K17 announced they had this thing called The Hatch, and they showed a trailer during Raw, which was a an announcement that Bill Goldberg, one of the man, the man with the most uh, impressive streak in wrestling history, um, a powerhouse who had a really great, if not quick, uh, stint in, in wrestling and, and, and it still made a huge impact because we're still talking about him. Uh, so Goldberg will appear, we don't know what capacity, but he'll at least be a playable character in WWE 2K17. This got me excited because Last year, Stone Cold was the main guy. He's on the cover, and it's like, and they had a uh, 2K316 mode where you would play through Stone Cold's entire career. Like, you start off, and you're at WCW, and then you work your way up, you know. So I'm excited. I hope they have, like, a streak mode or something crazy where you have to fight 170 guys. <laughs> no, I don't know. Be fighting, oh, the streak, 170? Fighting Ming every week or something. Wow. No, but it was, like, 173. But we found out later that they weren't actually real numbers. Like, they weren't they weren't keeping accurate track, and they, they lost the fans with that. You know what? I'm going to just stop because – I'm I'm quoting stuff from the from the WWE side of things, and some right. some of that stuff is a little slanted. Right. And, but they were, but I do remember the number flying up, like it was like 50 and 0, 80 and 0, you know. And so they said that they lost fan support because they couldn't keep up with the number. Like people were holding up signs, but it wasn't the right number that they were saying on the air. Mm-hmm. So because of that, it was hard for the fans to stay behind it because they're like, man, we don't even know the number. How many matches yet? You know, I, I followed it. I just you know. I followed it, and I thought it was great, you know, whether he was beating Alex Wright or whoever. <laughs> like, it didn't matter. It was it was Spear Jackhammer. Like, he was – I loved it. I'm, a, I'm not going to front. I marked out for Goldberg heavy. Yeah, and Goldberg it, was my niece's favorite wrestler. Yeah? She don't like, really like wrestling. Dude, I, I don't know, man. I, and people, people knock me for it because – I mean, I don't know, for whatever reason, and I'm not going to get into it, but a lot of the smart fans are like, you like Goldberg? What? I'm like, man, I went crazy for Goldberg, and I wasn't the only one. They were sold-out arenas going crazy for Goldberg. Like, I love the presentation. I love the entrance. I love his raw power, him mm-hmm. banging his head on the locker and be bleeding before the match. Right. And come out, the, the jackhammer and spear combo was like some of the most high-impact move sets like I had seen in a long time. And he would pull out like shoot fighter stuff and be kicking people and leg locks, yeah. Pulling off like submission moves. Like I loved the character. Like this dude was like a Superman. Like that's that's really what he was. So Goldberg coming to this new game is making me want to discuss Goldberg's best matches as well as best wrestling games. Oh, wait a minute. So we have to talk about the trailer, because you missed something. So what did I miss? It was only like a minute and a half, like Okay, so now, now you know it's set up. We know where the, the death meetings or whatever they approach the hatch. You know, mm-hmm. and Goldberg basically does what he used to do. You know, walk down the ring with all the security guards. Yes, and he gets in the back of the car. Okay. Okay. Now, when he's driving past, you see these words in reverse on the window that says "Suplex City." What? Yes. Nah. Yes, it did. It said "Suplex City" in reverse, and he looks at it. And now people are talking about maybe a Goldberg Brock Lesnar match too. How did I miss that? <laughs> what the yes. what? Yes. I'll have to watch this again. Okay, 
that that's another thing that would make me mark out. If those guys got in the ring again, I mean, the last one wasn't great, and everybody yeah, will admit that. Yeah, they owe us. For various reasons, they were both leaving. Like, it was, you know, it was a, it was a rough time, um, you know. And uh, remember the end of that? I think it's Brock who flips off the crowd. Oh, you know, I don't remember that. You don't remember that? It's such a forgettable match. It was pretty forgettable. <laughs> but at the end, because the crowd doesn't care. Like, they hate both of these guys at this point because they're both leaving. So they're just like, screw you both. So they gave the people what they wanted because Stone Cold stunned both of them. Right. And at the end, uh, Brock gets up, double birds the crowd, and they're just like, boo. So later on, he told Stone Cold that those double middle fingers were for Vince. They weren't for the fans. Yeah, wow. <laughs> he was like he was done with Vince. So. Yeah, they said Vince was madder at Brock Lesnar. That's why Goldberg went over. Ah, because he was already mad. He at like Goldberg. hated both of them. He yeah, was mad at both of them. Madder at Brock Lesnar. <laughs> what a yeah, that was a forgettable match. So they both OS man. If they did that for SummerSlam, man, I don't care what you say about Goldberg. That would be a big time match. That would be huge, dude. Like I'll oh man, I would go crazy. So. For all these jerks out there, I'm just calling them jerks because <laughs> I can't think of a better word. Pencil neck geeks works too. Right. Um, <laughs> who say Goldberg isn't great. I'm going to suggest you go back. I had myself and Chuck pick a top five Goldberg matches. All right. So, Chuck, what do you got first? Uh, I'll start at number five, okay? All right. And I'm, inc- I'm including this one. Because uh, I think it was Goldberg's first high-profile match in WWE. It was the Elimination Chamber in 2003. Did you ever see that? I don't think so. I, th- I missed all of 2003. Oh, okay. And I'm gonna, one of my matches is actually from 2003 because I just watched it on the WWE Network for only $9.99. I, um, and it was the, the Rock match. But anyway, right. I did not see it. Right. The Elimination Chamber, it made Goldberg look very strong. You know, he's a military press and Randy Orton. And it came down to just him and Triple H. Okay. Or whatever. Now, Triple H, you know, Triple H cheated with the sledgehammer, but it was done excellently. And usually I hate the idea of a sledgehammer being brought into a wrestling match. Because he, like, the camera didn't show you the sledgehammer. Uh, so when Goldberg tried to spear him, Triple H just pulls the sledgehammer, like, out of nowhere and just clonks him in the head. Oh, snap. But I still think that's one of Goldberg's best matches, though. It made him look very strong. He, like, broke through the, the pod to get Triple H out. Nice. It was, nice. It was pretty. It was a good showing for Goldberg. Okay. All right. I wound up watching that one. Uh, I watched Backlash because I, I don't know. Somebody across my Twitter timeline showed me. And I saw the cover, and it was The Rock and Goldberg. I was like, I didn't know they ever even fought. Like, I don't know how I missed it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let me go back and watch this. And uh, so Rock was, like, super healed at the time. Like, Hollywood Rock, who was, just, like, scared of everybody. Like, it was it was fun to see that Rock again, because I hadn't seen it since, like, the 98 days or whatever, the right. corporate <laughs> corporation. So it was a really fun match. So that is going to be my number five. Is I'd probably go higher than that, but I'll, I'll just make it five for now. Is and I think it's really worth seeing. Again, Goldberg looks really strong in that match. Rock, I mean, Rock does great at putting anybody over, and um, I think it was a super fun match to watch. So that is my recommendation. Goldberg, Rock. What else you got? Well, uh, a WCW match, and there weren't many WCW matches to write home about. <laughs> but the first time I saw him fight the Giant or whatever, you know, who's known as the Big mm-hmm. Show now. That was the first time I saw him like jackhammer the giant, and he, it seemed like he held the giant up in the jackhammer for like oh he five held him up seconds. forever, yo. I remember that, and I just remember thinking, oh, <laughs> and he brought him down, and I was like, wow, that's a Dude. that's a standout Goldberg match for me. So was it just the moment or the match? I mean, it sounds like it was just that actual moment. I mean, but Goldberg matches were moments though. True, you know, it was all a series of moments that right because they match. never went more than like seven minutes or whatever. Yeah. probably shorter than. Mm-hmm. But that, I, I distinctly remember him just holding the giant up and Ugh. just like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So another one I'm going to pick is a Monday Nitro match from April of 98. It's the U.S. title match between Goldberg and a very underrated wrestler, Raven. Oh, yeah. Now, we were just talking about the flock and how they were all dudes who could really go. Like, they were all really great wrestlers. They were super innovative. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that, you know, and we always, we have our thing against wrestlers who don't dress like wrestlers. Right. But those dudes could wrestle, so it didn't, it didn't even matter. Like, and they were the only ones that came in jeans and boots and stuff like that. Yeah, and they all did stuff you just didn't see every day, which I thought was amazing. So that's another one of my picks. What else you got? Um, it's a shame that I don't remember who they fought, but 
Bret Hart and Goldberg actually won the WCW Tag Team titles in 1999, and I remember really liking that match. I don't think it was against the Outsiders, though. It wasn't the Outsiders? No, I don't think they beat the Outsiders. I can't remember who it was, but I remember really liking the match where they won that belt. Oh, it was Creative Control. You remember those guys? Oh, God. It couldn't have been them. Couldn't have been them, no. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, who was Creative Control? I think they were the Harris brothers. They were like a part of DOA in the WWF. Then okay. Like they were the, the two bald guys with the goatees, I think. Okay. Thing. So it says that when they won the titles, it was from. Oh, <laughs> was God. From, they, won, they defended against Hall and Nash in 99, but they won them in December uh, from creative control. Well, maybe it was a defense against the outsiders. But I do remember liking like Goldberg and Bret Hart's chemistry, which I, which I was surprised about. Yeah, surprisingly good. I was. I made sure not to mention that match, uh, Bret Hart versus Goldberg. Although it was a good match, it's it's like it's sad because it was you know Bret's last go, and that kick in the head hurt around the world is, you know, a sad moment. Yeah, and it was tainted by you know them trying to re- reproduce the Montreal screw job, except Goldberg was the one being screwed this time. You know, and it was just bad booking. Bad, bad booking. Stuff. Talk about bad booking. They um. The taser on a pole match. <laughs> <laughs> was that Bam Bam Bigelow and Scott Hall? Uh, yeah, yeah, with yeah. Goldberg. Taser on a pole. They did a um, they did the stun gun ladder match with Scott Hall. It sold out in '99, and it actually was good. It was Goldberg trying to get revenge because Scott Hall tased him, and uh, yeah. Anyway, it was weird. But um, they had interference from Disco Inferno and um, and Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> And uh, yeah, Is that anyway, when Disco was trying to be a part of the Outsiders. I mean, yeah, he was trying to get down with the Wolfpack. He yeah. wore the red and black pants, and yeah, I think was, everybody in WCW was a part of the NWO. Yeah, I think so. At the some LWO. point, they all became a part. My absolute favorite, and I don't even know if I'm at five, but I gotta say, it's my favorite. As um, I don't know. Oh yeah, it would have to be Halloween Havoc '98, Goldberg versus DDP. That's my favorite. Oh, okay. WCW title match. I think you have a different top one. Yeah. And, and I agree with yours, too. So they would be 1A and B to me. So um, that's one I think is a must-watch. DDP is a favorite of mine, always will be. You know, great worker. And I always put his put a lot of emotion into his, his storylines. And I thought they had a really great feud. And um, He's another guy that gets a lot of flack from, like, the internet. Like DDP. DDP? Yes. Because they said, like, he was Because so of him being, like, clicked up. Ah, right? oh, man. So what? Yeah, I don't care either. I mean, I thought, you know, granted, you know, you got that story, but, like, a guy who started that late in his life getting into wrestling is super inspiring. He's 35. I'm like the DDP of rap sometimes, you know. <laughs> I always think about that. Like, I started late. I was, you know, I, that's that's kind of why I have a soft spot for him, right. you know. Late starters who going on to great things. But um, now, what's my, your, what's my your top match? Is you know of course Goldberg versus Hollywood Hogan. It had so much significance to it. You know it was the uh, the last time Nitro beat Raw in the ratings. Yep. And, and we were were we together? We were in the same. I think we were at your mom's house. Yes. Yes. Flipping yes. back and forth. And yes. then when that match came on, we stopped flipping. It was like right, exactly. nah. <laughs> you know sold out. It was you know Goldberg's hometown of Atlanta. Yes. And then uh, I, I kind of particularly liked it because Carl Malone and uh, DDP came to ringside. That's right. And he Carl Malone gave. Mr. Perfect, like a picture perfect diamond cutter outside the ring. <laughs> oh man, so many wow. things went into that match, man. Yeah, it was so much story behind it, man. And uh, it's funny that WWE looks back and they they kind of they kind of give WCW flack for giving away a pay per view quality match on TV. Yeah. What do you think of that? Should well, they have held that for a pay per view? N- well, no, and the reason is because. Uh, WCW never invested in their pay-per-views. Like, J.J. Dillon said on the the, the ringside, the, uh, those shows they have where they're, like, talking about... You ever seen those before? No. Well, anyway, they have these shows where, like, you know, different legends, you know, they have, like, a roundtable discussion or whatever. Okay. J.J. Dillon said that WCW never made a dime off their pay-per-views. They, they invested wow. everything into the television product. So uh-huh. if they would have had that match on pay-per-view, nobody would have seen it. Because <laughs> WCW was doing no business on pay-per-views. Wow. Huh. Okay, so they so where they that was where the place where it had to be done. Right. I guess it made the most sense for that. Now Vince would have made a billion dollars off of that. Oh, absolutely, man. And I mean, but I think that's why you know they won the ratings is because it was such a huge matchup, and there was nothing WWE could put on that would make anybody that excited. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway, speaking of flipping back and forth, we I, I tend to mention it, but I wanted to mention it with you. 
I, I remember I was at college when it happened, but do you remember when uh, Tony Schiavone gave away that Mick Foley was going to win the title? I heard about it. Were you that. watching? I, didn't see it, though. I was watching, but I didn't hear him say that, but I was already flipping. Uh-huh. And uh, and I remember him saying that and, <laughs> and then how everybody flipped. Like, oh, that'll put butts in the seats. And sure enough, it, it did. And hearing him say that just made me change. It was like, what? What? How's he going to win this title? Let me see. You know, so. Right. Reverse effect there. And in, in all fairness to Shivani, Eric Bischoff told him. Oh, yeah. He was told to do that. So, you know, uh, that might be why Shivani never got any WWF work after the after he ever bought. But Perhaps. who knows? But um, anyway, so those are our top Goldberg matches. Make sure you go check them out. You know, any of you got anything to say about Goldberg, come see me. Because <laughs> tell, like, just tell me you can't watch these matches and not feel the intensity. You know what I mean? We, we, I feel like, you know, I see a lot of similarities in Roman and, uh, and Goldberg. Roman might be a better athlete, but I, I do feel I see some similarities in it. And you know, near the powerhouse that Goldberg. But Goldberg was a super powerhouse, and his spears sometimes were just amazing. Like, and people underestimate his speed to be that big and that strong. Like, he was a fast dude. He was like a cat, man. He would just bounce around and just, oh man. But anyway, I I, I was a huge fan of Goldberg, and I'll, I'll take all the slack and, and flack you want to give me on that. But anyway, moving on to things that we can all possibly agree on. Top five wrestling games. Ooh, I want to do my five first. Okay. All right. <laughs> Top five wrestling games of all time. All righty. I want to start with an oldie but goodie, pro wrestling from 1986. Mm. <laughs> okay. Classic game. That's fair, and I liked it a lot. Um, King Slender was my dude. He was the backbreaker. <laughs> right, you know. I fake tracks on. Um, I break backs on fake. <laughs> that guy was cool. Amazon would like bite you and stick out a foreign object. Right. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, they would, they didn't have the big names. It wasn't like licensed, but the action was was really fun. And that's a game that you could probably still pick up today and and have a good time with. So yeah, I like pro wrestling. What else you got? Uh, what was it WCW NWO Revenge? You know the first one of that engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't remember what the name of it was. Yeah, the gosh, I used to remember it. Now I don't. Right. But uh, yeah, THQ that was N64. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I remember having a lot of fun with that game. It was it was really the engine. Like I think that they just had it. That was the perfect wrestling game engine. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the action was fun on that one. Then they, they later perfected it with other games that I'm sure you're going to mention. But uh, what else? There's another game called Legends of WrestleMania. I don't know if you've even ever played that one. Legends of WrestleMania. Not Legends yes. of Wrestling. No. not re- okay. that, that was good, too. But it's one called Legends of WrestleMania where you would reenact different WrestleMania moments. And I think that's where 2K16 got the hold of Austin. You know, Probably. Redo. And it was, it, was, it was a very fun and a very exciting game, especially like redoing the whole WrestleMania. What system was that for? That was on 64. No, no, no. I'm sorry, no. It was on uh, 360. Okay. Xbox 360. Uh, all right. All okay. right. So, of course, WWF Warzone. Mm. We had so much. <laughs> 1998. Oh, my God. That game. Warzone was fun for me. Oh, but, but but there were so many, like, I don't know. The controls sucked. True. I, I hated the controls, but it was fun, though. Right, especially when they have the... Uh, the actual wrestlers would film those little vignettes, you know, like Stone Cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. Yeah, they like had the little vignettes from them, and so uh, you could press the like the taunt button, and they'd say a couple things. Stone Cold would shake his head around, like, "Hey, son." Yeah. Right. Um, okay, that was a good one. All right, and um, I remember SmackDown versus Raw 2007. I remember, I remember really liking that one. I don't, I don't remember why, but I just remember having so much fun on that game. We did have good times with that one because uh, right. it, that one, or maybe it was just Raw that came out on Xbox. One of them was I liked a lot because you were able to um, do a multiplayer season mode, mm-hmm. and I think it was Raw, maybe it was SmackDown versus Raw, and that was like the only one where you could do that. So I had a, I had a lot of fun with that. And of course, the greatest wrestling game of all time, WWF No Mercy. Of course, hands down. I can't complain about that list at all. But I would add some in. I don't know if you ever played WrestleFest in the arcade. No. What? Oh, <laughs> WrestleFest is so dope. 
So you would you would do a tag team mode. So you pick two characters. Mm-hmm. I would always pick the heels. I would go <laughs> Jake the Snake and Teddy Biasi. And then you were trying to get up to the Road Warriors. And so you had to do all these that do six tag team matches, I think, to get to the Road Warriors. And the Road Warriors would just cheat you and beat you badly. <laughs> but uh, Demolition was on it. Big Boss Man, Ultimate Warrior, Hogan. I think that was it. But fun game, man. So fun. But a lot of button beating. So you were just like... You know, out of breath by the time you finish playing it. <laughs> but super fun. WrestleFest was my joint, man. I was from like 90 or 91. Wow. Um, did did you ever play Fire Pro Wrestling? I think I did like once or twice. I know that was I one that feel had like we played it together. Like, yeah, like all the options were unlimited. You could edit everybody's name because they had real wrestlers in it, but they didn't put their names. So you could just right. put the name in. Um, Fire Pro D was my favorite, which was on Dreamcast. Hmm. Um, but it was in Japanese, so I had to then <laughs> read a manual online. Yeah, this is how dedicated I was. I had to go to GameFAQs. I had to print out the translations <laughs> just to know how to play the game. Yeah, it was crazy. But it was so fun. Uh, someone told me Fire Pro Wrestling X, which is on Super Nintendo, is the best one. But I haven't played that. Uh, no Mercy, of course. Um, you didn't mention WrestleMania 2000, which I thought was good. But it was, you know, No Mercy was just so much better. And it's so, it's so similar to No Mercy, so I didn't just look you know. Yeah, I thought the cage matches were a little better on that one. And I like the fact that you could see the guys walk all the way to the ring. That's right, they cut off the walk into the ring thing. I know it sounds petty, but like I, I like <laughs> seeing the guys walk into the ring. Right, so right before that one, No Mercy, my favorite, or number two anyway, would be Def Jam Vendetta. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Def Jam was so fun. And it had that same engine, but it was just like, it was better graphics, and it was rappers doing it. <laughs> so, it's like, who wouldn't want to see, like, Method Man beat up, I don't know, Snoop Dogg? Like, it was it was cool. <laughs> like, it was so fun. Def Jam, they did a fight for New York. They did two of them. They really need to do another Def Jam. But I digress. Those are our top five wrestling games and matches from Goldberg. And that's the bottom line, because we said so. But... Uh, we're going to wrap up here, and I can't let you go without asking you to do what I have every guest do, which is pick a rap song. And that doesn't have to be a rap song, but a song about wrestling to go out on. It could be a song that mentions a wrestler, a song about a wrestler, um, somebody's theme music, anything like that to connect this whole hip-hop and wrestling thing or music and wrestling thing. you got to well, give well, me a song. I'm not going to be biased, but... There's a wrestling game that, I mean, a wrestling song that you and I are on. <laughs> you know, with D and 3, so. Yes, Definitely there is a track called Pro Wrestling that um, it flips the original Pro Wrestling theme, and it appears on Teacher Rapper Hero Volume 1. So, yeah, we're going to run that. It's, this is Pro Wrestling. This is Mega Ran, special guest Chuck. We will see you soon. Uh, how can people get in touch with you? Well, you can get in touch with me on Facebook by my real name, you know, John Charles Cordery. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnBap426. That's my uh, tag name on YouTube as well. So if you just put in JohnBap426, you'll see some of my Vader impre- impersonations. You'll see some links to the uh, Bat and the Sun uh, series, too. Word. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, we out of here. It's another episode of Matt Mania. Thank you. Hope to see you on tour. And if you're around... For the next week or so, you get to meet me and Chuck, because we'll be out here. Yep. We out here. Look for us at the merch table. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Keep listening, downloading. Give this thing four stars on your iTunes or your Google app or wherever you're listening to this podcast at. And tell a friend. It's Matt Mania. We out. One, two, three. Yeah. Know what? Whether you like it. Or you don't like it, learn to live with it, because it's the best thing going today, feel me, yeah, uh, uh, sick and back, yeah, yeah, check it, you ain't a star, man, you just hard-headed, when the R said it, best believe it, like God said it, number one contender, rappers get injured, I break backs on fake cats like King Slender, come off the top rope and splash ya, get at ya, just can't match ya, man of my stature, all you be hearing, cause all of the sharing's reserved for me. Are you in surgery? Cause I'm a monster like Loch Ness. I'm not pressed, I'm just reaching in my tights to pull out foreign objects. Do ya, like Abdullah, 
the butcher. So would you believe you're getting punked like could you? I snap mad a snare and the back brain kick flapjack the hat and that's that. Snap on the track like Joe's the animal still. Bite the turnbuckle, might just damage your grill. Soon as being three hook up the mics, it's a one, two, three, and you looking at the lights. Yeah. It's your homie Ill Mind, you're listening to the random mixtape. Alright, this is crazy, it's cracked. Shout out to Philly. Alright, one, one. My man Rogers hopped one, off the plane. And now we in the studio, we do it in the same. Hop inside the square circus, national shame. We the ultimate warriors and the ministers of pain. And uh snap your neck with the snap suplex. Blocking all your shots, and I counter with the two kicks. Cast his jokes to try to swing you off the ropes. And if provoke, we let the form an object smoke, smoke. Fanatics on my job for the way I burn suckers. The kick drum is your head banging turn buckles. Now we can see who can slam the hardest. You just a no good artist blowing in the cartridge. Thinking for your bigger boy, man, you cast his garbage. Getting counted out the ring, so you ain't a target. Your carcass better off hit the front office on some admin duties so the fans can say all ish. The rhyme nation is nice, that's what they all spit. Hey yo, the interview's over, roll out that carpet. SKYZOO Skies, who live from 718. Random mixtape. DJ DN3, let's get it, get it, get it, get it. Was trivial, face of tribulation, no precursor. What type saints preach murder? No predetermined outcomes is full on contact. Yeah, it's John Bat, yeah, you're full on. The gloves is loaded, watching the dust in rosin. We spit for some decades, it wasn't noticed. What job is mid carters all I see. Earn the main event, type cheese, RIP. And yo, here come the tombstone with no doc holiday lock. Cock strong, cats in the cotter, hide your mate. Oh, the transmission, but you lack ammunition. With all that get talk, fronters need to back off. John and Rand, we like the brothers. I'd love to put you out of your own misery, but I'm having so much fun! This is John Bat 426 also known as the voice of Darth Vader. And you are listening to Mega Ran on Matt Mania. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 